Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Go Steelers! Go Steelers! Say Go Steelers! Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of Sports Drink Network. Today is June 4th, an unusual Saturday for us, 2022. This is Tom coming to you from the Sawdust Studios of the Washington, D.C. Outpost. Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost. Nick, uh, are you enjoying this uh, the same kind of bucolic, perfect weather that we're having here in your nation's capital? Bucolic, as it will? Am I using That's that right? I used it wrong. I just needed an adjective, and I pulled one out of the wrong pile. You know, but anyway, so it's weird. perfect. No, I think you're right. I think it is bucolic, and I actually this is this is not a good sign for me because I didn't realize that you just used that adjective, and I think I've learned that word from you, as I've learned many words. He's too humble to admit, people, but Papa Tom here. Top-tier vocabulary. It has trickled down slightly down to the sun, but not in the same way. But I didn't even realize you used bucolic, and this is how in sync we are. I went for the for the same word there. And um, regardless, yeah, decent weather. Steelers, uh, clips of new Steelers playing actual football to an extent with OTAs. Big news. We got a bunch to talk about. I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying myself uh, playing a ton of summer gigs here. Uh, Houston is a... I get a bunch of like solo type gigs in the summertime making the rounds. So you really got to be in shape to play out in that 90, 100 degree, 7,000% humidity weather. So NFL or playing outside and singing? I don't know which one's harder. Well, we're going to talk about it today. If you want to keep talking about this after the podcast, you might want to go to ColorCast. ColorCast is a live, audio-only sports talk platform that's free to download and easy to use. You can talk to fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. All you need to do is download the ColorCast app for free in the iOS store and get to talking to people. Look, there's a lot of Steelers news all the time, every day. I think there are other teams too, but nobody cares. Go have some conversations on ColorCast about the Steelmen. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the group. You know what mystifies me? What? A science? Queen Math? Elizabeth's 70th Jubilee is getting way more attention than one of the most profound retirements in recent Steeler history, at least to uh, me. Stefan Tuitt? Yeah. Yeah, so let's start with it, right? Um... I never thought he was coming back, right? I think that it looks like I'm in the minority there. Maybe I'm not. Maybe everybody was just like us keeping our fingers crossed because if he came back, the Steelers could very well have the very best defensive line in the entire league with Tuit, Hayward, Alualu, and Watt. But I think I've said on the podcast a few times that I don't know if I can totally count on a guy who hasn't played in two years. And more importantly, it's that we'd never heard anything. 
and they were so secretive about it. And then on top of that, you got Alu Alu, who I adore, but he's 36 and hasn't made it halfway through a season in the past few years either. So it was a bummer to see him retire from a you know a Steelers fan perspective, but I can't say that I was surprised whatsoever. Were you? Not at all. The silence was deafening, and it said something of itself. Yeah. I still haven't read anything that told me why he retired. I, I didn't read it in depth. Did you see anything? Well, he released a statement basically saying, like, after my brother died and I finished my degree at Notre Dame, which I, I guess I didn't realize that he, he did that in the interim. He, like, my priorities reshifted, basically. Like, I'm super thankful for the Steelers. I'm super thankful to the football, that. And I almost don't even know if there's a point to talk about the social aspect because, obviously, I'm sure you feel the same way that I do. Like, yeah, I mean, I don't, of course I wouldn't hold it against him. I feel terrible that his brother died in such a tragic way. The guy's played in the NFL for how many years has he really played? Like six or eight? I know he's probably like an eight-year veteran, but he's played in the NFL for a long time. He's made a lot of money. He had a lot of success, but sort of part of this Steelers killer B extended era that never really put it all together, unfortunately. So we never really got to see what a dominant defense with Tuitt and Hayward would be like, save for like a half season here or there. But of course I don't blame him for it. Do you, what do you think personally about it? That uh, for retiring early, like people, like I guess a lot of Steelers players are saying, like, if you like, there's so many people making negative comments about him retiring. I guess I'm just not seeing those comments, but I also know that, uh, like, the athletes I want to say they're the most sensitive people on the earth, and they're it's just unbearable how much athletes are on Twitter now just whining. I mean, Deontay whining, all these cryptic messages like they love you, then they hate you and all that. I wish I could say it's just athletes, but I'll be honest with you, even just having a taste of some of that on social media myself, like no human being is meant to, (laughs) no human being can truly handle how crappy social media is to you. So I'll walk that statement back and say that athletes are just like the rest of us. You know, everybody's going to be affected by social media if you're getting direct hate that way. But I guess I just haven't seen like the upswell of negativity towards Stefan to it. I think it tells you that everybody else, nobody else is surprised by this. And it, it's not like he's a star quarterback either. I mean, we know him well and the Steelers defensive line, and the few times it was intact was probably well respected, but this isn't a guy who's going to get a whole lot of attention anyway. I'm happy yeah. to say, I think people wish him well, and they have moved on. There is uh, So there is a cap effect to this. This will save the Steelers $9 million against the cap this year, although they will, will take uh, almost $5 million in dead cap hit both this year and next year, which is you know kind of minimal. So I guess if you're looking for a silver lining, there is that. And then there's the bigger question is, how do you fill that void? The bigger question is, how far does that go towards getting Minka's and Aaron Donald's deal done because they haven't signed him yet, the Rams. He's working out at the Rooney Complex like every day, and we want him, all right? We want him. Aaron wants to come back to Pittsburgh. Make it happen, you bastards. Do it. Aaron Donald signed a (laughs) six-year, $135 million contract with the Rams with a $40 million signing bonus, $87 million guaranteed the last time. So he's making $14 million this year, Aaron Donald. Average, average salary is $22.5 million if you look at right. it. So, guarantee- what, so what, TJ's making like forty? Uh, and what, what are you counting? I mean, what is he you – know, it's complicated, right? There's a base salary. Are you talking about how much cash he's going to get? Right. So he is getting $14 million this year, I guess, cash because of the bonuses were paid out before. The deal was signed a few years ago. But it definitely is a situation where it's like – 
how rare is it that we have one guy who's just clearly, oh, that's the best player in the NFL, and it's Aaron Donald. And not only is he the best player, but he also had the best playoff run. And then he had the best Super Bowl game. I mean, he should have won MVP for the Super Bowl. The last play of the Super Bowl was him tackling the quarterback with an uncovered receiver, Jamar Chase, running downfield for the game-winning touchdown. But Aaron Donald said no. So most famous player in history of the uh, franchise of the Rams and everything. It's just such an easy deal to get done in a way. Like, just give the guy his money. But I love the conversations these conversations are more fun to me than the Aaron, than the J.J. Watt conversations. The last year, you know, the pipe dream, like he's not coming here. They can't. They're not going to let him go. But it's more fun because he he's like basically at practice and he loves Pittsburgh. Uh, do you want to hear a couple of these numbers just for comparison's sake for Grins? Sure. Yeah, yeah. So I, I gave you the number for Aaron Aaron Donald. His signing bonus was forty million dollars. T.J.'s was thirty six million dollars. But his average salary, TJ's average salary is 28 compared to 22. Oh, Jesus, at 40. And, his yeah, guaran- and TJ's guarantee is 80 million versus 50 million. Obviously, you can't compare them because they're in t- different years that, that they were assigned. So the question is, yeah, we are yeah, seeing this like escalation. Mm-hmm. So will Aaron Donald com- command better than what he got in his last go round? Yeah, I think that the Aaron Donald deal is super easy. It's like you just make him the highest paid defensive player. And it's just there's no ands, ifs, or buts. He said he's going to retire if they don't. Basically, he sort of cryptically said that he's going to retire if they don't pay him. He hasn't said it's because of paying. He just keeps saying, like, I might be done in football. Like, so, but it kind of clearly seems like a, you got to pay me because I'm not going to make $14 million this year. And uh, soon he'll be a stealer. I guess that's all I'm trying to say. So, <laughs> Stefan to From a retiring bummer because if he had played, you really – could have had some high hopes for the Steelers team in a way that are a little bit doused now that he's not there. But to me, it's also sort of just the inevitable. Like It sort of seemed like that run was coming to an end soon. The him and Cam. You know, Cam Hayward, I think, in the past couple of days has said like he wants to play like four or five more years, and he thinks he can still play at a high level there. And obviously he's not going to be at this level a couple of years from now, but you just look at the success that some of these older defensive linemen have had. Alu Alu right next to him. Calais Campbell played well late into his career. Uh, there's players on defensive line who do still play well uh, in their mid-30s, even though it is rare, and if someone could do it, it would be Cam. So hopefully he sticks around, but I guess what I'm trying to say is we talked about this with the DeMarvin Leal pick, and i got to figure out Leal or Leal. I would assume Leal, but uh, with that pick, I was happy about it because they were sort of getting ahead of the eight ball because you got to – build up this whole team you're excited about all the offensive pieces and i keep saying every few weeks it's like you just have this guarantee of cam hayward and stefan to it on the other side of the line that's gonna expire eventually and here we are a little bit quicker than we thought would be so they needed to turn that over regardless and uh it's just a bummer that it happened when it did and a bummer that we never really got to see him live up to the full potential of the steelers career just like a lot of people from that killer bees era all right well let's talk briefly about how, how the what the line looks like and how they're going to plug that hole. I mean, obviously, we talked about Tyson Alu-Alu. He is 87 years old. He is probably next. Hopefully, he can hold on for a year. Hopefully, he doesn't yeah. get injured. But, you know, yeah. all indications are we can't rely on him in the entire season. I think there are huge hopes for Isaiah Loudermilk, who finds himself, maybe maybe this isn't an insider conversation, but the uh, the press talking about, his weight, where he should be playing, and sort of what his history has been since college. 
Did he gain like 25? They said he gained 25 pounds. Yeah. He, season. I think he intentionally kept himself under 300 because um, he didn't know where they were going to play because he, he played right. edge. He played outside linebacker a little bit at uh, Wisconsin. So coming into the, the NFL, he was still a little sketchy about where they would place him. Yeah, and these are depth guys, and depth guys on the defensive line are kind of more important than any other position because you obviously you want the the rotational offensive linemen because you know they're going to have to play a lot of games, right? Like, of course, you want depth at any position, but you know that that first offensive lineman in, that swing player, he's going to be really valuable because he's basically guaranteed to at least start a few games. The difference is with defensive line, that's the only position really where they're playing every game because you need to rotate those guys for – exhaustion and, and, and whatever else it is. So love having louder milk and all these young guys uh, on the roster, but it does sort of seem like they're more depth guys. And obviously you can't replace a star player like Stefan to it, even though, yeah, he was super under the radar, but that's a good sign for louder milk. He's bulking up. They're playing him in the trenches. They know where they want him. So I think the other two key pieces are uh, Chris Wormley and Montrevious Adams. Yeah. And Leo, right? Leo. Uh, sure. I'm not sure where. Uh, Probably more key now, right? Obviously, the, that that makes a, that gives him another opportunity. I I just don't have it. Can't project what he's going to do. You know, it's just too early. Yeah, although I would assume all of those guys are going to get on the field, and the nice part is all of them are proven except for Leo, and Leo's a third round pick, so there's some kind of some high hopes for him that way. As opposed to where the hell did Montrevious Adams come from last year? They lucked out. Louder milk widely panned draft pick people don't like that pick oh it worked out so it's kind of nicer going into this year knowing that there's a lot of proven commodities and maybe a guy coming in with a little bit more hype rather than last year they did not have a lot of proven commodities and they had low draft picks to sort of work with or undrafted dudes so still in a decent position in my opinion although the defense won't be elite as a result of two yeah it, it feels it feels like a um like a deeper pool at least you're not yeah. gonna you're not gonna fall prey to one injury at this point. Let's yeah. move on. We just we just wrapped up the OTAs for 2022, moving into mini camp. I guess this week. Any uh, any observations? Any news coming out of uh, the OTAs? Yeah, I think there's some unsurprising stuff on the quarterbacks, which is that they are going with Mitch as the one, Mason Rudolph as the two, and Kenny as the third. That's the Steelers' way, and we're seeing. They've evolved so much in the past five years, but then in the past five weeks, they've really gone back to (laughs) the Steelers we know. And Ben came in as like the fourth quarterback, I want to say. This year? year. Oh. Uh, I thought you were telling us he came, he decided to come back. You know, I just can't even think about that. It's already making me too emotional. So he, he was behind Tommy Maddox. Brian St. Pierre, I want to say, was the three, and then there was one other guy that was there. Charlie Batch wasn't there yet, was he? I can't remember, but regardless, uh, Ben had to work his way up the ladder, and I do agree with that, especially with a guy like Kenny, who's not, it's not like Zach Wilson is coming in as the number two pick, or Trevor Lawrence, or something like that, where it's kind of like, hey, this is a bona fide guy. Whether it works out or not, we got to get down to work with this super high draft pick. This is like, okay. We're taking a chance on Kenny. We're excited about him, but I definitely agree with him having to earn the spot, and he doesn't seem to care whatsoever. The quarterbacks all seem to be getting along as much as they can, which is nice, but Arthur Motes, your favorite guy, your favorite former Steeler, reported that in the drills, it's pretty obvious, not just the hierarchy of the quarterbacks of where they are right now, but the hierarchy of their physical abilities. Because he says, 
Mitch, by a very long shot, has the best arm and throws the best ball. Like He's the most consistently accurate. His ball's constantly spinning. He's the most on time. Mason will be second behind that. And then Kenny, he described him as maybe struggling with the big ball. <laughs> Which, by the way, like people are going to get so angry about that. But he's probably right, and that's okay. Like the, the NFL ball is larger. It's your first OTA. It actually, for a lot of rookie quarterbacks, takes like the OTAs to sort of get used to how slick the NFL ball is and that it's larger. And So I won't worry about it. But he said Kenny basically is like seven out of ten passes, beautiful and spirals, and then the other three are kind of like, what the hell happened there? Um, but he did couch that by saying like, look, Mitch has by far the most experience. So that's sort of a lot of – what we're looking at and then Kenny once again uh you know he's just starting out but I did mention this when we talked about drafting Kenny Pickett just to assuage anybody listening to the podcast I think I've made this clear enough over the past few episodes but I've definitely I've turned around a lot on my excitement about him I am very excited to see him play and and, uh happy the Steelers got him uh even if you know I don't think it's like they got Zach Wilson or something I'm still pumped and I think that Kenny can be a really good quarterback but this is one thing we said. Like when you draft a guy who doesn't, who has, he checks all the boxes. He has a strong enough arm. He's big enough. He's mobile enough. He has all those things. But he doesn't have a single elite quality. And that even includes the brain. Now, the brain can get there, hopefully. But it's not like he came out of college like Mac Jones or Joe Burrow, who were like running NFL offenses to perfection. He was running the Mark Whipple extended pit screen college offense, right? But. What's going to be tricky for a guy like Kenny is coming into the NFL when you don't have those elite traits and you're with someone like the number two pick in the draft, Mitch Trubisky, it's, it's going to look a little funky on the practice field because people are going to look around and they're going to say, oh, Mitch's arm is stronger, Mitch is bigger, Mitch is faster, and obviously he has the advantage of having the experience and stuff like that. So that doesn't mean Kenny won't be a better player that way. Like if you think about Mac Jones last year, he came in with Cam Newton. And you got to di- – Cam Newton, oh, same thing, stronger arm, way bigger, way faster, way more experienced, huge personality, all that stuff. And Mac ended up beating him out despite that. But just – I'm not surprised, I guess is what I'm trying to say, that the early reports are that, oh, okay, Mitch seems like a cut above at this moment. So take that for what it is. Noticeably absent is uh, any description of or assessment of Mason. Did, did yeah, you I mean, hear anything he about – pretty- he said it's pretty good. You know, again, Mason's it's it is what it is. We know who Mason is. He's a good backup, I guess. Not that I think that this is an original thought, but Mark Bully is surmising that uh, Mason will be trade bait before the season starts. What do you think about that? Everybody's dying to trade Mason, just assuming that somebody wants to trade for him. And I'm not saying that Mason's so bad that no other team would want him there, but every other team can see the Steelers' depth chart as well and knows that the Steelers have four quarterbacks, and they drafted two, and everybody knows the Steelers are out on Mason Rudolph because they went out and brought two starting caliber quarterbacks in in the same offseason when they had Mason in the building and they've seen him play a lot. So everybody knows the Steelers do not want to keep Mason, which means the Steelers have no trade leverage. People are just going to wait till they cut him or release him. And I guess they'll just try to get Mason to play well over the preseason and maybe use that as trade bait. But even that, I, I wouldn't do that if I were you. Like at a certain point, I would just cut the guy because I want Kenny and Mitch to get as many reps as possible in preseason. Mitch hasn't played with the Steelers. He hasn't, play, he hasn't started in a year, really. And he needs the reps. And then Kenny obviously needs the reps. So 
I don't really know what they're going to do with that, but I'd be surprised if somebody traded for Mason unless there was like an injury to a backup quarterback. It would not be the NFL if there wasn't some level of player dissatisfaction. Well, what is that supposed to mean? Well, Najee's, Najee's not happy with reports of his weight gain. Oh, that one. Yeah, I, like, thought we, I thought we were going contract. How do I look, like, I how do I look in these pants? Jeez, he looks insane. Have you seen the, the pictures of the legs? It is funny. We do this every offseason with the NFL running backs, but I think that we should just keep doing it because it's just mind-blowing to see how gigantic these dudes' legs are. It's so freaky. Like, his legs are the size of my torso, and it's, that's actually like – I don't think that's wrong. It's pretty damn close. It's absurd. So Kabali reported Najee gained uh, 12 pounds from uh, 232 to 244. Uh, Najee got pissed off. He said, like I said multiple times last year during the season, I'm 240. So he gained four pounds going into the offseason. And so he's pissed about it. He said, you writers write about anything. (laughs) And that kind of goes back to my point earlier about NFL players. I try not to blame them because it happens. And you see them like, oh, my God, shut up, Najee. Like he was actually being complimentary. Of him, like basically saying, like, he looks awesome. I think Kabali put like NFL watch out and just a lot of pictures and a lot of comments about his legs and his butt and his strength and how the guy who was already chiseled out of marble somehow looks even more jacked this year. So Kabali was actually trying to be complimentary. And to Najee's credit, it is sort of ridiculous that, you know, Kabali, well respected, tenured Steelers writer, would take like the program notes. Which I guess is what he must be doing, like 232 in the program, which pretty irrelevant uh, last year, and say that he gained that much uh, poundage. But I also understand what he means when you can see that there's been a little bit of a body transformation there. So it seems like some signals are getting crossed, and uh, this is just how people react in the media. You know, he looks amazing. Oh. I don't think anybody's complaining. Yeah, it's a 24-hour news cycle. Got to find some things to it talk is. about. I do feel we, a little bad for Cabal getting blown up like that, though, like I said, because he wasn't trying to say, oh, this guy's fat. Oh, he gained weight. He was trying to say he looks so impressive, and Najee took it as, I didn't gain that much weight. Yeah, no good deed. There are a couple of players whose contracts are in play right now, and we may be seeing a little bit of uh, something we saw from TJ last year Minka? when his contract was up. Yeah, starting with yeah. Minka. Well, they're saying Minka might do a hold-in like TJ did where you show up to all the practices but you don't participate so that you don't risk injury. And I, I'd be shocked if that wasn't the plan. I mean, Minka even commented last year during TJ's negotiation that, hey, I'm rooting for him to get every dollar he can. I'm keeping a close eye on what he's doing. And obviously I have a – he didn't say this point-blank period, but express like my contract's coming up next year. So I'm going to basically take the same strategy. And granted, he's not the defensive player of the year like TJ was, but – He's a major superstar and major part of the Steelers' defense. And, yeah, I would be shocked if this wasn't the same Steelers' formula as always. They signed these guys. When did TJ get his deal last year? Would you mind looking that up real quick? Because they always sign these guys the week before the season, if not like two or three days before the season. I remember when we were on TJ Watt last year, we TJ Watch, TJ Watt Watch last year, we were saying the same thing. Like, this is going to happen two days before the first game. I believe Cam Hayward got his extension a couple years back within a day or three of, of the actual opener. So that's kind of how the Steelers do their they do it. They get it done at the very last part of the deadline because obviously they do not negotiate contracts during the season. So just so people understand, like Minka's completely justified in this. 
The C- yeah. People say honor a contract, whatever in the NFL. You don't get to negotiate your contract as a rookie. It's basically fixed as it, what it, as you know what it is. And the guy's greatly outperformed the contract of a rookie safety, and it's time to pay the guy. And it's within his rights to to hold in. I think that it even actually goes above and beyond with him doing the hold in by actually showing up to the facility instead of holding out completely. And uh, it's the Steelers' rights to try and do their best in a negotiation to form a football team that has a smart salary construction. And so everybody's acting within their rights. There's no reason to be mad at anybody. I think that this should go pretty swimmingly. Tomlin, the Steelers, adore Minka. They also trade a lot of assets for him, so it's kind of critical that they get him signed. Minka knows that, so he has a lot of leverage. Last year, TJ signed his contract on September 9th. And the Steelers then played Buffalo what? on the 12th. Oh, yeah. There you go. Within three days, let's three, see, four days, right? Let's see how he played. Did he play in that game? Yeah, I remember him playing pretty damn well. I don't know if he had a bit yeah. much stats, but he was moving around just fine. It's true. Yep. Box score. Yeah, so it's all, everybody sort of, this is, this is the technique, if you will, of a, of a star player trying to maximize his value, make sure he avoids. Remember, um... He wasn't a star player. Who was the guy we traded to see out the offensive lineman? B.J. Finney. B.J. Finney. Or didn't he uh, have an Hold injury down. that? No, no he, he played a... in Seattle and then he was injured. And people surmised that he wasn't that injured, but he didn't want to risk playing on it because it was a contract okay. year or something like that. Yeah, so that's not really the same situation. But this looks like it's uh, going to be kind of a Steelers way of life here. I guess the big question is. Is he going to get the massive guaranteed money? Because nobody besides TJ, Watt, besides TJ Watt, no non-quarterback, had ever gotten big guaranteed money from the Steelers. That's why Le'Veon left. And they finally gave it to TJ Watt. Does this open the floodgates for Minka? That's the big question. In fact, TJ had two sacks in that Buffalo game. Yeah, no surprise there. He's Five the quarterback hits. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. All right, we also have another uh, interesting situation. Deontay showing up late. Yeah, so he he shut up all the angry Steelers fans about him not showing up. Look, what's your feeling on the voluntary? I I feel like fans don't realize that this is negotiated in the CBA. Like, it is voluntary. This isn't high school where it's like you're not doing everything you can to put the work in. It's just, hey, show up to this one that we're not paying you for. And – I, I understand why people may not necessarily show up for it, and I understand why the natural human reaction would be, uh, why don't you want to put in the extra work with your team? But, it, again, this just goes back to, like, this is fair. Both sides are doing what's good for them. This is going to have zero effect on Deontay's season whatsoever. You're barely doing anything when you're at the OTAs. It's more to acclimate new guys. I'm not saying that it's not important at all, but I'm just saying the overreaction to him not being there is a little bit annoying from this whole like public anti-player uh, stance. Pro-billionaire stance. <laughs> I think that NFL players almost more than anybody lead lives of quiet desperation. I think they know they are even the best of them are a hair better than the guy, uh, you know, backing him up generally. Other than the superstars, nobody's nobody's sitting at home eating Cheetos, right? They're all doing, no. they're all training, they're all doing what they think is best for them, and we don't know what goes into that. I think 
when you look at some of these drills that are going on during OTAs, yeah. they're just reps, just reps. They're very simple. When you watch, I was watching the linebacker drills with Brian Flores, and you know, granted, it was a small sample of what they do there, but like does Cam Hayward really have to go to OTAs? I, I think it's great he's there and he's essentially an on the field coach, but I'm sure yeah. everybody who isn't showing up is doing something to get himself in shape for. What's coming up now? Minicamp. Yeah, it doesn't mean that they're not a good teammate, and especially when you look at Deontay Johnson. Yeah, I like probably one of the three or four hardest workers on the team. It's well documented. It's just, I guess, I'm just trying to talk about it to to prevent people from getting so angry at the players all the time, when you know that the team will cut the player the second they don't do well, and the fans will want to cut him too. So I'm just trying to give a little perspective on. Uh, where the players are at. It's very rare that you get an Antonio Brown situation where it's like truly like, oh, this guy's a douche. <laughs> well, if you want to talk about or express your anger about players. Can. Yeah, you can express that anger at ColorCast, which is a live audio-only sports talk platform that's free to download and easy to use. You can talk to fans, podcasters, friends, athletes, and insiders in real time. It's perfect for post-game breakdowns, debates, watch parties, and reacting to breaking news. All you need to do is download the ColorCast app for free on the iOS app store, create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the group. I have a couple of uh, stories, not not that big a deal, but I, I read uh, Merrill Hodge had a, what was 93.7, interview on 93.7, and he okay. eviscerates Devin Bush in this interview. Did you catch any wind of this? I didn't catch any wind of this. What did you say? He is... <laughs> I have a link in the show notes. Um, he's not a good football player. He just said, you know, especially after his in- he came back from his injury, he just doesn't seem to have the greatest, like, you know, he's physically talented, but he doesn't play fast, and he doesn't play with great leverage, and he doesn't play with great technique, <laughs> like 0 for 3. But I'm just surprised because it's, I don't know whether Hodge is employed by the Steelers, but he's certainly around the Steelers. He's going to have to pass right. this guy in the hallway, and he had no mercy. But... Uh, and there, and he was recommending that Steelers move on. Now, maybe it's a little too late to move on right now, but when you hear about what Merrill said about uh, Bobby Spokane, he may recommend something differently. Oh but, God! You know, Did it he really, it really super heavily. Best inside linebacker they have. But before we get to there, what do you think? <laughs> this is, I mean, they did not, they did not extend, um, they didn't sign the fifth-year contract right. for Bush. Yeah. I mean, do you think this is this is his last year, or do you think that he's a year past the injury and this is a he, he will be able to sort of play himself into good graces? I think that first off, the Merrill Hodge take that's a, it's a little fishy because we it's not like the the sample size of Bobby Spokane is small, and we love Bobby Spokane, and I guess you could still make the argument maybe he's a little better than Bush, but like. To come out there and make that heavy of a stance towards a guy who's also not a starting linebacker, just it's like, give me the farm boy. It, that's just sort of what it sounds like coming from Errol Hodge. I, I hate to call that stuff, but it, it's just so on the nose. Like, Spokane's the answer. Like, okay. Um, but uh, I think that Devin Bush, unfortunately, he, even before the injury, he it just never really materialized. He had moments here or there, so... I have far more evidence saying that this is not a guy uh, than being a guy. And I guess you and I always come back to our Terrell Edmonds discussion. Like, can we get an average player out of him, which, would, which we'd take at this point, especially having no idea how good Miles Jack is. And Bobby Spokane, I think he's getting married, so his edge is falling off. Don't like that. I think he had a baby, right? 
baby, marriage, something like that. Either way, it's not as hardcore. As <laughs> Another it's, distraction. Yeah. <laughs> For, you should be I want you single and celibate yeah. until you're 40. And angry. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I, I don't have high hopes for Devin Bush, to be completely honest with you. I think that that ship may have sailed, but Kevin Colbert himself said, we look at there being two Devin Bushes, pre-ACL and post-ACL. And while he was never a star, he definitely was better before the ACL injury. So this, I feel like, is the perfect way to handle it. I think Merrill Hodge, it's kind of an intense take, but he's also maybe just trying to make a point. Like, obviously, then we're going to cut him this year. That's kind of crazy. But they said, hey, you have a lot of talent. We aren't picking up your fifth-year option, so it's not like we're just giving you a total pass. They said in the media, like, yeah, he basically has to prove himself. That's what this is. But we think he'll be better now that he's off the ACL. You're taking a chance on a guy who just came off an ACL injury, and I think it makes total sense, and they're just going to ride with who they have. And you just got to remember that the Steelers are a team with a bunch of good players and a bunch of stars and a bunch of nationally known guys, but they had a ton of holes over the past few years. And like we've been saying on the podcast, this is like a couple-year effort that it's going to take to really revitalize the team. And if you look at who they've got so far, hopefully this draft class pans out, but it sort of feels like so far so good. But you just got to remember, it's going to take a few years. So if you're unhappy with the inside linebackers, it's like, well, they, they brought – who else were they going to get? They're trying their best. They brought in Miles Jack. If, they, if those guys suck this year, look for an inside linebacker high in the draft next year. The Derek Watt-Connor Hayward competition doesn't seem to be materializing the way it was projected before OTAs. Right, yeah. I guess a lot of these picks are making more sense. They take DeMarvin Leal. I'm just going to alternate Leal and Leal, which I thought was – it's sort of like the Juju Smith-Schuster pick, which I talk about a lot um, because – they took Juju in the second round, who's a well-known receiver, while they had Martavis and A.B. on the team. So, like, why would you take a receiver that high? You have two-star receivers. But we knew that just Martavis had been suspended once or twice already, and there was just this chance that it may not pan out with him. And additionally, the Steelers don't like to play pay receivers their second contracts, so they were sort of getting ahead of the eight ball with Juju. And that's what I looked at. DeMarvin Leal draft pick as being is like, hey, we may or may not have to it this year. So if we don't have him, thank God we drafted somebody. And if we do have him, we kind of only think he's going to be here for a few years anyways. So let's get ahead of that with Leal, right? So that's what I look at that pick as. Um, I had lost track of the question. What are you asking me about? Well, it was just so Connor Hayward comes in oh, as the Swiss Army knife, right? He, he's right. fullback, H-back, tight end. Yeah, his makes more sense now too, I guess is what I was trying to say. They're playing him at tight end. Because when they draft him, like, oh, my gosh, you spent all this money on Derek White. You never use him, blah, blah, blah. Now you're taking another fullback. But I guess they're going to try and get uh, Hayward to play tight end or H-back. And honestly, he could do it. Like, there's some – he's very coordinated. There's great clips of him catching the ball out of the backfield. And you just wonder, are the Steelers a team that could actually utilize an H-back? Because we all know the Steelers get these high hopes for these specialty players and they get four gadget plays in the first three games and you never see them again. But – you know, I think of Chris Cooley was a great player for Washington, a tight end, H-back sort of dude. We had the worst, best segment in podcast history with Will Will Johnson get a catch. He sort of played some H-back for the Steelers for a while, and uh, he did always get a first down every game. So maybe you just throw those, throw two of them there, and obviously he'd be a special teams beast. But I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by the move. I kind of like it. I think we'd like to thank our – Sponsor at this point, if, yeah. if I may ask you to do so. 
Please, my pleasure. Sports Drink. Today's episode of Steelers Outpost Podcast is brought to you by Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. Sports Drink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They got a bunch of team specialized podcasts like ours. Uh, NBA teams, NFL teams, college football, all kinds of stuff. They're here to help us grow. So give them a follow on socials at Sports Drink. That's Sports Drink without the vowels or go to sportsdrink.org. And we'd love to thank Sports Drink. Uh, We'd love to thank them for sponsoring and hosting our podcast. So speaking of linebackers, we have an alumnus, somewhat of an alumnus, who just got signed by the Steelers. Wait, who? Who Who's our skipper. They got him back. They got him back. So he spent some time. He spent time with the Giants in 2019. Lastly, of uh, the Titans last year, he got into a couple of games, but he is back. That's crazy, right? Remember, remember, one of the Toledo connections. I did forget that. I forgot a lot about Tazar Skipper, but it doesn't it feel like it was last year? Yeah, it does. Two years ago, it was forever ago when he was the Steelers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they love bringing those guys back. I think that's a good move for depth. Hopefully hey, so makes team. we saw a lot of reshuffling, a lot of t- attention focused on the front office. I think the last pen stroke has been uh, added to contracts. Brandon Hunt, who was in the hunt for the general yeah. manager position, is now leaving. And the rumors of him going to Philadelphia are fulfilled. He is director of scouting with the Eagles. I mean, good for him. And all I could think of is they need to do a yearly damn Steelers-Eagles game because we got their guy. What's the uh, new we – something with a W, the new uh, player personnel guy, the scouting coordinator or whatever it is that the Steelers got from the Eagles just recently when they made Omar Khan the head GM? Well, we knew Brandon yeah. Hunt was probably going to go to the Eagles once the Omar Khan deal Andy was Weidel. finalized. Yeah, Andy Weidel. Weidel. Yeah. yeah, so Steelmen, Eagles flopping – uh, both good staffs, both good ownership, both good GM history. And it just makes me think, I wish they would make that 17th game in the NFL season, and maybe they'll do this for the 18th game when that inevitably happens. It should be cross-conference interstate rivalries. Like the Steelers should play the NFC Eagles every year. The Washington Commanders should play the Baltimore Ravens every year. I feel like they need to start hooking those games up a little bit more. Like the Jets and the Giants, obviously, or something along those lines. And uh, I just wish the Steelers and the Eagles clashed a little bit more often, and then that would escalate, and hopefully the the, the Penguins can frickin' survive after Crosby and the boys get disbanded, and uh, that Flyers rivalry could remain, and you'd have real uh, King of the State vibes on a yearly basis. Yeah, I love that idea. Well, Hunt leaves on a on a good note. He was very gracious with his exit. You know, he's a he's a local guy. Fine Redstone, and he went to IU. Go Steelers! Go Steelers! Everybody out here, well, it's up on Twitter and Steelers Outpost. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers! There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. 
and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine.